And that should inform your prayers. It should, you know, it's really easy to just become consumed with what we see immediately around us. But that's part of the idea with a meeting like this, is for us to see beyond where we live to the uttermost part of the earth, which is where God has commanded us to take this message of the gospel. In Isaiah chapter 55, I want us to begin this afternoon by reading verses 8 through 11. And uh, probably, for, for, for some of us, a, a familiar passage, something that we'll recognize. And of course, this is next door to our theme passage, Isaiah chapter 54, which you've heard preached from these last two weeks. And what I want to do uh, in our time together, and, and uh, a, a very different message from last night, and, uh, different and, and much more brief as well, but I want us to take a sort of like a missionary devotional trek through this section of the book of Isaiah and uh, see these few chapters that appear together, 53, 54, 55, in relation to each other and the work of worldwide missions and then come back to our text to make a very simple, almost embarrassingly simple application and exhortation to our lives when it comes to this work of missions. I won't, I won't apologize for how simple the application is. As I, as I mentioned last night, we've got to get back to the simplicity of Scripture because the problem is not with our lack of awareness of what's here. Most of the time our problem is with a lack of, a plap, of, of application of what we already know, know to be true from the Scriptures. Amen. So let's let, follow along with me as I read in Isaiah chapter 55 and verse, verses 8 through 11. The Bible says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain cometh down and the snow from heaven and returneth not thither but watereth the earth and maketh it bring forth and bud that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. What, what is all that about in verse 10? The rain, the water, all of that. The, the, the figure is very clear in verse 11. Verse 10 is about the word of God, right? That's that rain. That's that water that brings forth from the earth. Nothing can function or live or survive or reproduce without what? Without water. And that, that is representative of the word of God, which is made clear in verse 11. So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for all that we've enjoyed today, for the missions fair, for these few songs that we have heard and that we have participated in singing. Thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ, for giving us purpose, for giving us something to live for now and for eternity. Would you make our time in the Word of God today profitable? Would you speak to our hearts? Please help me to be a vessel for you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Now we know that the Word of God is, is given by inspiration of God. And that that inspiration extends to the very words of Scripture. And there are an endless, 
an endless number of ways in which we could illustrate the divine nature of the Bible. But one of the ways that I, and, and I think that this will just edify us in maybe some simple, even if perhaps a novel way, when, when, when we study the scriptures, yes, there is power in the words of God, but I am, I, in, in increasingly, I am impressed in my heart and mind with even the structure of scripture, like the very way in which it is put together. Yes, certainly the words, but the way that the, that the words and the verses and, and, the, and the paragraphs, we might say, and the chapters are, are arranged in relationship to each other and even the way that the books uh, are, are arranged, every bit of that has the fingerprints of God on them. And I think that that is true in, even in this section of Scripture. Now, now we could speak of this in a, in a doctrinal and an historical sense because Isaiah 53, hopefully, hopefully, if you've been saved for any length of time, you have a familiarity with Isaiah chapter 53 as this great, perhaps greatest prophetic reference to the atonement, the crucifixion of our Lord Jesus Christ, even looking out to his resurrection as well. And so, and so in Isaiah 53, you have the propitiation of Israel's sins. And in its in immediate context, it has application to the nation of Israel. Of course, we know that it also, praise the Lord, has application to you and I as Gentiles. And then you move from Isaiah chapter 53, of course, to Isaiah chapter 54, and, and you see not only a propitiation for Israel's sins, but now a restoration of Israel's purposes in Isaiah chapter 54. God's got a plan for his people, and that's going to involve them stretching forth the curtains of their tent and, and, and uh, of their habitation and so forth. They are going to be enlarged. They're going to be blessed. When it looked as if they were barren, they're going to stretch out beyond any borders that they had previously been confined to. And then you move from there. I, I've got to re remind myself that, that uh, not all of us here are first language English speakers and I get excited and I and I talk really fast forgive me I, I've been forced to slow down I preach every every week through a through an interpreter and that forces me to slow down I'm sorry on top of being from from Alabama amen brother Myers uh, forgive me you come to Isaiah chapter 55 so you've got the propitiation of Israel's sins, chapter 53. You've got the restoration of Israel's purpose, chapter 54. And then you come to chapter 55, and you have an invitation through Israel to the Gentiles. And this we're going to see this fulfilled at the second coming of Christ as God blesses the nations through Israel as the head of the nations in fulfillment, final and ultimate fulfillment of those promises made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I think we're familiar with some of these things, but I want to, I want to point out, let, let, let me do this. Let me do this. Let me start by saying that there are occasions in the Word of God where you'll see maybe, maybe in this case three chapters alongside each other. And when taken in, in, in the bigger picture, you can see the relationship between the three. I think my favorite instance of this is found in the book of Genesis. In Genesis chapter 22, hopefully we're familiar with the picture and the type 
of the crucifixion of Jesus Christ as Abraham, who is a type and picture of God the Father, offers his son on the top of Mount Moriah, the, 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 the actual location of, the geographical location of Calvary, and, and uh, he, I mean, there's so many pictures there. Uh, a- Abraham, it speaks of his only son. He's got a three-day journey to the place of sacrifice. His son, in his own mind, is actually dead for those three days that it takes to get there. And he tells the two servants, wait here while the lad and I go yonder to worship, indicating that they would return to them because Abraham, I'm, I'm getting excited again, forgive me, because Abraham had the confidence confidence in fulfillment of the promise that was given to him that God would raise up his son in fulfillment of those promises and all of that a picture of our Lord Jesus Christ who laid down his life for our sins and then rose again from the dead and then you move from chapter 22 to chapter 23 and it's a death a very notable death of a woman named Sarah and the entire chapter is given to the account of her of her passing and of her burial. And of course, if Abraham is a type and picture of God the Father, he's married to a type and picture of Israel, the bride of Jehovah, who in chapter 23, after the death of God's Son, pictured, typified in chapter 22, is set aside. And it's very curious, at the end of chapter 22, the last scene that you have is Isaac, a type of Christ, left there at Moriah. That's the last place that we see Isaac, a picture of Christ. And then Israel set aside in chapter 23. And then in chapter 24, Abraham, a type and picture of the Father, is sending his servant forth, in this case, a type and picture of the Holy Spirit, to seek a bride in a far country to come and marry a a bridegroom whom she has never seen. And the next time you see Isaac, that picture of Jesus Christ, he's no longer at Moriah, praise the Lord, he's coming out to meet his bride. If that doesn't, I mean, some of you might not have followed all that. If you followed it, it's a blessing. (laughs) In Psalm 22, Maybe one of the most familiar prophecies outside of Isaiah 53 of the death of Jesus Christ, the crucifixion of our Lord, and even of his resurrection. Jesus Christ seen as the good shepherd that lays down his life for the sheep. And then you come to Psalm 23, the shepherd's psalm. He's the great shepherd. He nurtures his flock. And you and I, by the grace of God and the shed blood of Jesus Christ, can say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Amen. And then you come to Psalm 24 and it's the chief shepherd. You see Jesus Christ coming again and being enthroned and wearing a crown. And, and, and that is a big picture of God's New Testament purposes. Do you see God's fingerprints? I know this is a little heavy. This is why some of you need to think about Bible Institute. I, no, I'm actually serious. The Bible is a bigger book than you've ever imagined. It doesn't matter how long you've been studying it. So, so I've, I've been considering Isaiah 53 and 54 and 55. And of course, in chapter 53, Christ's substitutionary atonement. Not only his substitutionary atonement, but, but his resurrection as well. In verse 10, it said that the Father would prolong his days. In verse 12, he's going to divide a portion with the great. You can't do that from a tomb. 
And then you come to Isaiah chapter 54, and after the death of Christ in chapter 53, in chapter 54, it begins with God using the unusable to bring forth many children through a supernatural birth. It is a supernatural birth. I mean, Sarai was, was beyond the age of childbearing. It took God's intervention to bring forth fruit. And you and I can't bring forth spiritual fruit if it's not for, the, for, for God using us by the power of the Holy Spirit to give life to dead sinners. Amen. As we take seriously the commission to go forth. And actually in Isaiah 54, as you heard preached a week ago, there is a commission in verse 2. To stretch forth the curtains of, of their habitation. And, it, and it's, it's very interesting that, that, that commission for expansion of God's purpose through God's people it actually extends, would you look with me in Isaiah 55 and verse 3, for thou shalt break forth on the right hand and on the left, and thy seed shall inherit the Gentiles. Does that sound familiar after reading Gen uh, Matthew 28 and verse 19 last night, where there's a commission for expansion that is addressed, that is addressed to God's people to go to Gentiles. That's nations in Matthew 28. And, and in, in verse 4, he says, Fear not, for thou shalt not be ashamed, neither be thou confounded. That sounds to me like an empowerment to fulfill that purpose. We don't have to fear. We don't have to be ashamed. We don't have to be confounded because we've received power by the Holy Ghost to be witnesses unto Christ to the uttermost part of the earth. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to point out there's missions all over this passage. And the whole idea, according to verse 5, as you heard preached two weeks ago, is that the God of the whole earth shall he be called. Because he's not the, just the God of Israel. He's the God of the whole earth. But some of the whole earth hasn't heard. <laughs> Most of the whole earth have not submitted themselves. To the one true God. But there's, there's a missionary program pictured in chapter 54. Immediately on the heels of the substitutionary atonement of Christ in chapter 53. And then you come to chapter 55. So you got a commission in chapter 54. And, and then the message goes forth in chapter 55. Are you following along with me? Chapter 55 and verse 1. I know that Bible study, it's, it's kind of heavy uh, in the afternoon. But, but it's good for you. Verse 1, ho, everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters. Does that sound familiar to you? Jesus Christ is the source of living waters, John chapter 4. He said, if any man thirst, let him come unto me, John chapter 7. That's the last invitation of the Bible. The Spirit, that's the Holy Ghost, and the bride, that's the church, say, come. And we're offering water, living water. And look, we get to drink how do we drink that living water? What is the invitation to this world to drink freely? What does it say in verse 1? And he that hath no money, come ye, buy and eat. Yea, come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. See, it's already been paid for. Amen. And look at verse 2. Wherefore do you spend money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which satisfieth not? Hearken diligently unto me, and eat ye that which is good, and let your soul delight itself in fatness. Do you know most of the world that's involved in religion, they're paying for something that hasn't delivered true satisfaction. 
But we have a message of genuine satisfaction that doesn't cost the recipient anything because somebody else already paid for it with his own blood. You see, there's missions all through this. Missions all over the Bible. And, and the key to all of this, of course, is, is in verse 3, chapter 55 and verse 3. Incline your ear and come unto me. Hear and your soul shall live. Uh, listen, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. How shall they, how shall they hear if, if they haven't been preached to? See, that's, that's the missions aspect. We go through and preach and then the sinners have to hear. And that is what it's about, by the way, church. It's not about seeing that's why you can't put the emphasis on signs, wonders, miracles, or humanitarian efforts because those are all sight things. And this work of missions is a hearing thing. You come to the end of Acts chapter 28 and Paul's fed up with these Jews that require a sign and that won't believe the scriptures and he says that the Lord's turning away from them and going to the Gentiles, far hence to the Gentiles, and they will what? They will hear it. Because that's what it's about. It's not about signs and wonders and miracles and prosperity and wealth. It's about hearing the word of God. That's what this mission is about. And there's an invitation. Drop down and look at verse 5. Behold, thou shalt call a nation that thou knowest not, and nations that knew thee not, knew not thee, shall run unto thee because of the Lord thy God. So this, this hearing is, is, it is nations that are unfamiliar to us that are called on to hear. And the message is issued with urgency in verse 6. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found, and call ye upon him while he is near. This invitation is not going to persist in Endlessly. There's a window of opportunity to respond to the gospel. It's not going to continue endlessly. That's why, listen, there should be an urgency to our message. For one thing, sinners are perishing all around us. And now is the acceptable time. Now is the day of salvation. There's a clock on this program. And someday we're going to hear the shout and there will be no more evangelism. At least on our part. So there's an urgency. Verse, verse 7, let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return unto the Lord and he will have mercy upon him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. Now that's our, that's our rapid devotional missionary trek through Isaiah 53, 54, and 55. And I hope you can see the fingerprints of God on this portion of scripture and how the fingerprints point to his New Testament purpose for you and I in relation to world missions. Now let me make the application and it's very, very simple. Because when we come to the text that we read today, verses 8, 9, 10, and 11, the Lord says, my thoughts are not your thoughts. It would have never, ever in a million years entered into my mind or your mind for God to redeem the human race by sending his son to suffer and bleed on a cross and rise again the third day. That is not a human thought. That is not a man-made conception. That is supernatural. In fact, the wisdom of God in the gospel defies human reason. And our ways are not his ways. 
How many of us would have volunteered to be the vessels to take this glorious message that we would never have thought of to the nations? I mean, listen, church, we're it. For better or for worse, we're it. We are. We are the advanced team. We are the responsible party. God has commissioned us. We're it. And, and, and listen, you might not understand it. I might not understand it, but we've got to accept it from the scriptures. God knows what he's doing. Amen. But we really come down to this, come down to this issue of the word of God. And so I want to pose this message and th- th- this question in, in closing today. And just, I, I, want you to, I want to encourage you to chew on this. And it's such a, it, it, it's such a simple thought. How does this thing get done? You know, we've just, we've learned, we've got a bit of education today about Russia, about Colombia, about Mongolia, about Switzerland, about all of these places. And and, and many of these places, in Papua, Indonesia, some of these places are exotic, they're strange to us. We, We just learn things that we, how does this thing get done? It gets done by the word of God. That's how it gets done. Now, you know, I, I don't know, you know, denominational distinctions, are, they're, they're not preeminently important to, to me, but, but um, here I am, a, an independent Baptist, if, you, you know, if that's okay with you, and, and uh, that's, that's kind of what we are here. But when you look at that in the scheme of things, there, there's not a tremendous amount of resources concentrated among Christendom in the independent Baptist realm. We're not the ones out, you know, uh, building hospitals and, and uh, what do we have to offer? We have the one thing that this world desperately needs. What is the emphasis around here? What do you call your church anyway? Bible, Baptist, church. With emphasis on the Bible. Amen. Listen, when, when I was praying about where God wanted me in the world, I'll be honest with you. Can, can, Matt, I don't want to lose your respect, okay? I really don't. But people have this, have this imaginary view of, of some missionaries. And, and may I say, may I say, if you're going to live in Papua, Indonesia, you've got to be pretty tough. Pretty resourceful, which is why I don't live there. <laughs> Amen. If you're going to survive in Siberia, you got to, I mean, yes. right. but you don't live in Siberia. Yeah, no, and we know why. You know, for a long time, I had presented to me like the missionary guy is the guy that can fix everything. He can pour concrete. He can rebuild an engine. He can operate heavy equipment. He can wire a house. All of this stuff. And I thought, well, well, disqualified, 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 disqualified. Man, I'm telling you, I had a guy tell me, you know, if I had to, if I had it to do over again before I went to the mission field, I think I'd go get about two years of auto mechanics training. And I thought, well, I'm out. I'm out. Not happening. And, and brethren, if my wife sees me walk across the house with a hammer, she gets very nervous. 
It's not, it's not good. It's not good. I hate to admit that. <laughs> but finally, I had to come to terms with, with this. Do you know what the, what the world needs? That what the world needs is the Word of God. And man, there's a lot of stuff I can't do. But here's something I can help with. And the one thing that I have to contribute is the one thing that this world desperately needs. I mean, Zimbabwe could use a few more good mechanics in all seriousness. But that's not its primary need. And by the way, if you were to come to Zimbabwe, it's not unlike this part of the world. Many of you know there are churches everywhere. Is there still a need for missionaries there? Yes. Because just because you see the phrase international ministries or church, etc., doesn't mean that it has anything to do with the Word of God whatsoever. And there are plenty of sincere people that don't know the Bible. And that's what we have. And if this thing is going to get done, it's going to get done through the Word of God. It's like the rain or the snow. And you go to different places in the world. You go to Greenland, it's snow. If you go to Polynesia, it's rain. But the need is the same. It's the Word of God. And that is the thing that makes production and then reproduction possible. It, it brings forth, it buds, it gives seed to the sower and bread to the eater. Everything that this world needs is in this book. Do you believe that? Then learn it. I mean, what do you have to say intelligent from the... I'm not trying to be unkind. I'm not trying to be rude. I'm not... Uh, let me ask you this. Where in, where in Potch can you go to learn the Bible? I think you know. And you're here. Don't forget why you came here. Amen. When you come to a place like this, it's awfully difficult to leave. I hate to tell you that. <laughs> because this place will ruin you. Because you'll realize that if I get out of sorts with the brethren, there's nowhere I can go to get what I've been getting. Because it's the, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. Now, nothing wrong with acts of mercy and, and visible demonstrations of love and kindness. They've always followed the gospel. But we're not here to establish orphanages first and foremost. To build hospitals, to start schools. All of those things have their place, but it's not the main thing. If you heal the body, if you raise the children, if you feed the stomach, and you don't administer the gospel of Christ... You have just staved off everlasting misery. It is the word of God. Our first order of business is teaching and preaching the word. And for as different as those places are on those tables in the other building here, the one thing that they share is their need for the gospel. Their need for the word of God. And there might be a lot of things that you lack. But you have that.
So let's take it to the world. Amen. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for giving us this blessed gift of the word of God. And I pray, God, that you would burden our hearts and give us a desire to take this blessed gift that you've placed in our hands to the uttermost part of the world, of the earth. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Brother Lee gave us he, he, one phrase I'll, I'm, I'm going to just point out to you. Towards the end there, he said, I want to give you something to chew on. And, and that's what you've gotten all morning. You've got little bits and pieces here and there on each, the, on each of the table, something to chew on. And then the Lord gave you something really good to chew on. I mean, as far as bang for the buck, you got a lot of Bible in a short amount of time there. You got stuff to go home and and marinate in, roll it over in your mind. The Bible says to meditate on the law of the Lord day and night. We got a lot of good thoughts from many places in Scripture. And I, I don't know about you, I'm encouraged. Because despite all the deficiencies and things I cannot do, We got the word of God. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Folks, we've had you here quite a long time this morning. I can't thank you enough for being here, for receiving the word of God as you have this afternoon. We're going to let you be dismissed with God's blessings. And Lord willing, we'll see you tomorrow at 930. So folks, let's all stand. Father, get us home safe. Thank you so much for this time.